Andrew Lawton Show starts right now. Welcome to another edition of the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North, continuing our conservative leadership series, sitting down one-on-one, in-depth, wide-ranging interviews with all of the candidates seeking the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Very pleased to be joined right now with Rudy Husney, former conservative staffer, former candidate, and ultimately someone who's promising a bold vision, not like what we've seen to date in Canadian politics. Rudy, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming down today. Thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit about why you're running, because you're not someone that's coming from the roster of usual suspects, so to speak. Why are you deciding that you're the guy to take over the Conservative Party? Look, I've been involved with the Conservative Party for more than 12 years. I started, you know, on the side of uh, of my normal job, volunteering. I, I started on the 2008 campaign. Uh, I loved it so much that after I participated to my first convention in 2009, and all of a sudden, I realized that in Montreal, in Quebec, we needed to have strong conservative candidates to make sure that people understand what's our message, what's our vision. So I decided to run in 2011, as you mentioned, and I decided that I wanted to make sure that we send a strong message. And at that time, uh, Thomas Mulcair was obviously the, 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 the person in Quebec that was getting a lot of attention. So I decided to run against him not only because I wanted to be able to debate him both in French and in English, but I wanted to make sure that we started this work of making sure Quebecers pay attention to uh, what we're saying. So I did that. Uh, after that, as you said and you mentioned, I was a staffer. Yes, I went to Ottawa. I, I was entrusted with an amazing portfolio, which was international trade. I worked on their minister Ed Fast, where we actually had a vision. I like that because we said we were going to open markets all around the world. We went on an on a incredible uh, journey in terms of Canada-EU trade agreement, Canada first trade agreement with Asia, South Korea. It was the beginning of the TPP. And I decided after, obviously, we lost. I went back to the private sector. Andrew Shear's team called me back saying, Rudy, come back. And to be honest, I didn't want to shoot comment from like 12,000 kilometers. I was actually in Oman and Dubai back in the private sector at that time. And I said, I'm going to come back. And look, I don't want us to replay the 2015 or the 2019 campaign. I've been inside. I've been an insider, yes. I've been a candidate twice. I've been somebody advising ministers, prime minister, and a leader of the official opposition. I just don't believe that our message and our vision is in the right space and that we are positive enough towards Canadian. I do believe that sometimes, Andrew, we are talking too much to our base. Yes, we are tough on crime. Yes, we want lower, uh, lower taxes. Yes, we want smaller government. We all agree on that. But this is not enough for Canadian to get behind us and that we can win seats all over the country and form a government. So I want to bring a positive conservative vision to this race because I just believe that our traditional message, and to be frankly honest, our playbook is not going to work anymore. It worked in 2011 and we're able to get a majority, but the results of 2015 and the results of 2019 clearly show that we need to change our playbook. 
You mentioned running against Thomas Mulcair more to make a statement about conservatives in Quebec. You are the only leadership candidate in Quebec right now. You're mm -hmm. the only native French speaker. I yes. think that uh, some of the other candidates who say they speak French will probably be tested in some way as the campaign rolls on. But are you running now to win or are you running to make a statement that no, no. you Look, can I'm, be a conservative in Quebec? I'm, I'm fully committed. I decided to uh, I I decided to run for a lot of different reasons. First of all, uh, I wanted to make sure that it was a strong voice from Quebec. We need this in our party, uh, not because I'm a Quebecer, just because, as you mentioned yourself, I'm able to communicate to all Canadians in French and in English, and I believe I'm truly bilingual. And this is something that for me is not up for debate. If we want to be a leader, you need to be able to reach and to be able to communicate to all Canadians. So that's why I'm running. I am, I am running a full, full campaign because of what's happening and, and, and the situation. I've just canceled my trip to Saskatchewan, but I had the opportunity already to go twice to Alberta. Uh, I've been to Atlantic Canada. I've just, uh, I've just finished a little tour here in Ontario. So I'm running a full campaign. I'm asking people to trust me because I do believe that we need to take a different direction, staying true to our principle. But no, I am running uh, a full campaign to lead this. It isn't just about leading the party. It's also about leading the country. Yes. If you're successful and then win an election, you're going to be the prime minister. And mm -hmm. for a guy who's never held elected office, who, who's not a household name, how do you justify telling Canadians that you deserve to be the prime minister of their country? Let, let, let's be frank, uh, Andrew. Yes, I haven't been elected, but I've worked on the Hill for more than four years. I know exactly all the parliamentary duties. I worked on them. I've worked on crafting bills that were introduced in Parliament. But, it, but it's not just about knowing how the process works. It's about that idea of have you been in that public service capacity where Canadians can say, yes, I know you, yes, I support what you're doing, because you're asking them to let you be their prime minister. Yes, look, I've, I've, I've had the honor and the privilege of representing Canada in more than 50, uh, 55 countries when I was working uh, under, uh, under international trade. I've traveled abroad part of official delegation representing Canada. I've worked on trade negotiation at the table, negotiating and supporting the work of our government and the minister and our officials. So I am very well, very well aware of the challenges. I've actually participated in many of Prime Minister Harper's own uh, international trip where I worked and I was there and I at the bilateral table meeting with China, meeting with India. Uh, all the world leaders, I've attended many international summits. So I do believe that if Canadians pay attention to uh, who I am and what I've done in the last, uh, and having both experience inside the government, yes, behind the scene, but still where the work gets done, but also in the private sector, I believe that I bring this right balance to lead this country, lead our party, and making sure that we address what Canadians want from us. You mentioned the 2011 election mm -hmm. in which the Conservatives under Stephen Harper won a majority. I think one of the dangers of that election is that it proved to Conservatives that you can win a majority without Quebec. And that's surely something that you've had to contend with in the party where there hasn't been a priority for Quebec. So what do you think needs to be done it to tackle a... that, apart from just having a, a leader from Quebec? No, look, it was a sad day for me in 2011 and also a very joyful day. Obviously, yes, 
We won a majority government. It was uh, the accomplishment of, of many years of work, as you know, started in 2006, 2008, and finally in 2011, getting a majority. But it was a sad day for me uh, because it is true that we didn't get a lot of seats in Quebec. And that narrative started that we can win a majority without Quebec. I don't believe that it is the case and it will ever be the case again. That's why I referenced earlier that we have to throw out the old playbook because those kinds of calculations in terms of writing and where we should win seats, I don't believe it's going to work. That's why I've been saying that we need to have a positive conservative message so we can grow our base. We cannot do all those little calculations. We need to grow our base. We need to have people come in our party and we need to have seats everywhere in this country. I believe I can deliver that. There seems to be a lot of resistance, especially from Western conservatives, to a Quebec leader. And I know you've probably encountered that when you've been to the West, when you've been to Alberta, and even if people like you personally, there there is this reticence to, to embrace just another Quebec leader. And I know it's unfair, but it's still something you have to contend with. What's Look, I, be, I, beg, I, I understand, but I beg to differ because I want to tell you very honestly, I, I, I'm a pro-energy Quebec. Mm -hmm. I've said it loud and clear in French and in English. I do believe that also uh, today is the Premier's meeting, as you know, in, in, in Ottawa. I've called officially for the government of Canada and me as a leader that I would make available immediately and for the years before the stabilization fund because we need to support Alberta and Saskatchewan. I'm a pro-energy uh, candidate. Coming from Quebec, I think I can have this discussion with Quebecers about energy. And I've said it very clear that, yes, we want transition on the environment, but now and right now, as long as Canadians all over the country put gas in their tank, meaning they're still running a car that has oil, I want it to be Canadian energy. And this is for LNG, for propane, for diesel, for gas. And I've said it also in French and in English. Some people are saying, oh, I'm for LNG and I'm against oil. At the end of the day, it's all a pipeline and it's all Canadian energy. So I believe that I was very well received in Alberta and Saskatchewan, knowing that there's a Quebecer in this race who's bilingual and who has their back. That's the message I've sent, and I was very well received. Much of your work within government was on the trade portfolio, yep. which I think most people could argue was one of Prime Minister Stephen Harper's greatest achievements, which is the, the volume of, of trade agreements, everything from TPP to Central Europe and, and so on. I mean, the work started uh, under Stephen Harper for even deals that the current government did. It's trying to, it's trying to take credit for yeah, our work. Very much. Sure. I, I, agree I, I agree with that. All the time I look at them, I say, come yeah. on, guys, you went not there. Like, it's yeah. not true. So how do you, as a, a pro-free trade guy, lead the Conservatives when there seems to be a, a creeping desire for protectionism and, and that populist sentiment that free trade isn't necessarily where we want to be moving forward? You bring a very important topic. Yes, I worked on free trade agreement, but I also work on something that is also very crucial at the moment, was attracting investment to Canada, because that was also something that we were ver working very hard. As you know, when we were in government, we were able to attract Petronas from uh, Indonesia to come to Canada and invest, a lot of investment from Europe, uh, from Germany, for example, in the oil sands. We, I think that the most important work that we have to do right now is to send that clear message that Canada is open for business. You all know what happened last week in Alberta with the cancelling of the tech project, even in Quebec. 
the Warren Buffett pulling out $4 billion out of LNG. We cannot have that. That must be an absolute priority to, you know, rebuild that image that Canada is open for business. On your point, yes, we have to continue to work on free trade, not only free trade across our borders, but free trade inside our border, because you know well, yes. this is something that Canadians have been telling us over and over again. How come, you know, sometimes it's easier for a company in Ontario to get support from the Canadian government to export to Europe or to Asia, but they don't think about exporting to BC or 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 but uh, Alberta or the so, famous bringing a the twelve beers, pack of beer. Yes, from, the beer. I know the story Quebec, about Brunswick, yeah. Yes. I know the story about yeah. the beers, obviously, but it's more than that. So we need to also make sure that Canadian companies, especially with like the uncertainty that is happening now around the world, we need to be strong at home. That will also be a priority, something that I don't believe that has been addressed properly. But do you think there is a growing resistance within the conservative movement or the conservative party to free trade as people see their manufacturing plants in southern Ontario or their oil field in Alberta just hemorrhage money? Look, I, I, I understand because, to be honest, there were some bad deals that were signed. I don't believe that the, the renegotiation of the, the NAFTA was done properly and that sent that negative message. Look, to be honest, I don't understand how Canada and the U.S. couldn't agree, for example, on autos, making sure that the autos plants were not moving to Mexico. We all know that it was a challenge that Canada had and the U.S., we should have been able to do that. Also in aluminum, I mean, we were not able to get the U.S. to back us on aluminum to make sure that China doesn't import through Mexico aluminum to Canada because that's the future. We all know that cars are now being manufactured with more and more aluminum. So I do understand that, and this is the result of deals that were not done properly. And negotiation, we were not, let's be honest, uh, I... I we, we were not properly aligned with the U.S. when we were negotiating, and Canada didn't get the protection it deserved uh, on aluminum, for example. You've talked in your campaign about the need to have bold ideas. For a guy who, you're using your own word, has been an insider, you've been in politics, you've been in government, what is your perspective doing that differs from what we've had already when you have been a part of what we've had already? Look, what... What I believe is that I just don't think that we are talking to Canadians on things that they care about. I'll give you an example. I just said that I worked uh, abroad and I worked in a country where they had e-government, that everything was, you, you could access everything electronically. All of a sudden, I come back to Canada, I realize that my passport is going to expire, so I go, I have to waste half a day, half a day, to go and submit documents that the Canadian government already have. Why is the Canadian government? We haven't, we haven't reshaped the delivery of services. Right now, and you know it more than, than I do in terms of all the problems we face in terms of Phoenix, the Canadian government cannot pay its own employee. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. So how can it service you? Tomorrow you have a problem with your taxes or you're just unsure. You know, maybe you're renting your cottage this summer and you say, hey, what am I going to do with that money? You pick up the phone, you call Canadian Revenue Agency. After waiting for maybe four hours, they will give, there's a chance that there's 
probability that they will actually give you the wrong information. Yes, yes. This is the way that we have to address those things because Canadians want us to make their life easier. Another example, cybersecurity. People are worried about identity theft. We need to address data in this country. We need to address also copyrights, making sure that when we, when we find something in Canada, we make innovation, that this technology stays in Canada. We are not talking about that. Those are the things that I believe we haven't put forward to Canadians. And that's why Canadians just felt that we didn't care or that our message was, again, too traditional and not they were not being connected. So I want to talk about cybersecurity. I'm worried about cybersecurity. I receive every day or, you know, text messaging. Oh, you just uh, you just received the refund. Click this yeah, and click yeah. there. Yes or no? Yeah. We need to address that. What about if my mother clicks on it? She's going to have all her information stolen and we'll have to deal with it. And we won't have any. Who are we going to call? The government is not going to be there to help us where it should be there. So those are the things that I want to bring forward because I don't think they've been addressed. And I do believe that Canadians are worried about it. I want to make their life easier. No one is anti-cybersecurity. No one is anti Well, some people are anti-customer service and government, but no one would say they are. So what you're talking about is not controversial. Why is it that in it's, 10 years of a conservative government, these things couldn't be addressed? I, it's a good question, and that's why I'm running. I'm telling you, why didn't we not talk more about those things during the campaign? So, you your, agree so your, that, your vision of boldness isn't about ideas that are radical, but ideas that there's no excuse that shouldn't have been dealt yes, with. Yes, it, it should have been done. I just, I just have this belief that the Canadian government is still operating like we're in the 80s. I give, a good exa I give the example that I still feel that we are in a BlackBerry age mm -hmm. where now it's all about the Amazon and the Apple. Why is Amazon and Apple succeeding? because they're making your life easier, right? With your thumb and with like your app, you can buy and access and do everything. But when it comes to government services, nothing, nothing. People have to uh, go and stand in line to even receive benefits. You have to register for your pension. Why do you have to register for your pension? It's the Canadian government who should tell you, oh, here's what you're entitled to, here's what you should be receiving, because there's no way in hell people are all experts and know exactly what they're, they're entitled to. Do you think the failing of the Conservatives, when you talked earlier about not talking to people about the issues that they care about, do you think that is just about messaging, or do you think that the Conservative Party doesn't have answers to the questions that average Canadians are I, asking? I, I've said that I want to run a positive campaign because I do believe that we were not positive enough. And when I talk about those topics, I believe that innovation, cybersecurity, all of that, I believe it's part of a, a positive conservative vision that we have to put forward. Look, Canadians know that we are the, bad, the, the best, best managers for the economy. They know, they trust us on that. We've balanced the book under the Harper government. But only running on this is not enough. That's why we have to say also that we care for each other. I'm just afraid sometimes that our libertarian message feels a bit uh, lacking compassion. So people feel that we don't care for each other. But we do. You all know that you know, if you play by the rules and you work hard, you should receive you know, your, the, 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 the fruit of your labor. But I do believe that sometimes we are not putting forward a, a positive conservative vision and I've committed in this campaign that I will not attack the current prime minister 
Because I do believe that a leadership race is not about that. It's about telling our members and Canadians of what we're going to do for them. Attacking Justin Trudeau will be at a later stage. But for the moment, Canadians want to know what we are going to do for them. You said in a CTV interview a week or two back that you are opposed to a carbon tax, but you support a price on carbon. And that's a distinction that we usually hear from the Liberals, where they say the carbon tax isn't actually a carbon tax. And I I wondered if you could explain a bit more about your vision on that, because there were a lot of people, myself included, that were like, hang on, calling it a price instead of a tax doesn't change the fundamental nature of it. No, no, no. It's like, I want to be very clear. Look, what I was saying is that, first of all, my priority is to make sure that there's not one size fits all because we all know our country and we know that there's different systems, there's different economics depending. I don't want the whole Ottawa knows best. For example, I've said it in Quebec, we have cap and trade. So it's not a carbon tax. Even the premier of Quebec joined the other premiers challenging the carbon tax. But there is a price on carbon through the carbon trade system. I'm okay with that system because the provinces made that decision. Recently in Alberta, Jason Kenney also made sure that large emitters will also face a price. It is not a carbon tax. It's making sure that large emitters will pay. And I'm okay also with that system because it was designed to make sure that large emitters and not mom and dad driving their kids to school, you know, on a Thursday night, get the big burden of a carbon tax because they don't have a choice but to use their car because they don't have transit or there's no system. I don't want them to pay. But I want to make sure that the large emitters do have to pay because, let's be honest, and as I said, I think that we need a transition, but we also need to champion energy. But as a conservative, you know that any fee or price or tax that's put on a large company gets passed down at some point. It gets passed down to their clients, it gets passed down to their customers, and it also gets passed down to consumers. And then you add the additional aspect of that, which is that if you want to make Canada competitive with the United States uh, as an example of a country that's trying to stay away from these sorts of pricing, how do you maintain a competitive country well using a punitive measure, even if it is focused at the highest levels? I believe that companies are already investing large, large, large amount in R&D. So why do we need to have a government but, answer? But that's the thing. So I believe that by making sure that we have incentive for companies to reduce their green gas emission and they have this incentive are investing in R&D, that is the path forward because companies have told us, don't tax us twice, which is what's happening with the carbon tax, by saying, oh, I'm paying for something, but I don't know where is it going. That's why when we brought forward our plan under the last campaign, we said, look, if you're going to spend that money in R&D, that should be count towards your effort, and it shouldn't be, obviously, go to the government because you are making those efforts. So this is where I want to go, but I do believe that we need to send a message to large emitters and big companies that they have to reduce their gas, uh, their, their green gas emission. 
So let's talk about the vision you have for the party, because I know that one of the criticisms that has been put towards you in the last couple of weeks has been that you would uh, basically close off the party to social conservatives who, who make up uh, a sizable enough chunk. We don't know the exact number, mm -hmm. and I, I know that you're personally not interested in, in revisiting these issues. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the ideal Conservative Party, the Conservative Party led by Rudy Husney, yeah. would not have the ability for individual MPs to champion issues of conscience? Look, I... I believe our party needs a generational change. That's also why I'm running. Look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When it comes to LGBT, I have friends that are LGBT. They are my friends. They are not LGBT because that's been something that has been normal for me. That's how I grew up. I work with them. There was, there was never been any difference. Same for me for abortion. I'm not part of this generation. That was part of that debate. And that's why I'm saying, for me, this has been settled in the past. So is it a generational uh, thing? For me, that's why I've been clear. I say, look, for me, those debates are in the past. And this is part of, my, uh, of the person I am because this is how I grew up. That's why I was asked, are you going to march in a, in, a, in a pride parade? And I said, yes. But I said, I didn't make that decision today. For me, it's been something that it's been normal because I have friends with different orientation and that's how I grew up from school to university to work. And they were, there's been never for me any differences or whatever. So this is the message I want to send. And that's why I'm saying I don't want to revisit those debates because I do believe that it's a, those happen in, before. And I just, the same as you know, I've mentioned that in the last campaign, we didn't talk about the things that Canadian wanted. This is also, for me, another example. For me, if we're going to talk about uh, those debates, it means that it's a priority for us. If it is a priority for us, we're sending the wrong message. And that's why I'm saying, please understand and focus on what the Canadians want right now. They are not asking us, and there's no consensus about that because for them, it's been settled. And I guess that even if we accept that premise, mm -hmm. and I think that was the Stephen Harper position, and that was even the Andrew Scheer position, uh, despite his personal convictions, mm -hmm. we look at a party that has, and we know from leadership races, a, a chunk that care about, uh, even if you take LGBT issues out of the equation, abortion, that, that are pro-life. Mm -hmm. And does your conservative party have a place for them? Obviously, every, I respect everyone's views. I don't want one side to impose a view on the other but side. But is that not what you're doing right now? No, no, because the debate happened already and it has been settled. So I just don't want to be reopened because now the larger consensus that the Canadian government and the House of Commons and Canadians have been settled. So if people want to have an abortion, they are free to have it. And if people don't want to have an abortion, they can also have the same and follow their own principle. I just don't want to reopen the debate and having one side trying to impose their view on the other one because for me that matter has been settled. So, I, But I guess the issue is, and it's not even about the merits of pro-life, pro-choice, it's about the idea of liberty within your caucus. Mm -hmm. If you tell the members, if you tell members of your caucus, if you're the leader, this issue is settled, you can't address this as an individual member, you are imposing, are you not? No, I'm, look, I'm, what I'm going to, being an MP, being an MP is obviously a privilege. Yes. But you also have duties. You have duties to your constituents. You have duty to Canadians, making sure that you address their priority. 
If Canadians are telling us this is not the priority, why would an MP use a privilege instead of their duties to bring forward a bill that is on a matter that Canadians are not asking him to do it because this matter has been settled. Because let's be frank, if somebody brings a bill on that topic, it means that another bill on e-government or on innovation or just on, on, on making sure that people have rural uh, internet or large, whatever makes the life of Canadian easy, wouldn't happen. So I'm just asking them to pick and choose the priority of Canadians because otherwise they're going to bring a bill and it, we won't be able to deliver on the things that we want to put forward. Moving beyond social issues, are, are there any others where you think that uh, the individual members need to really adhere to the party line? Is, is this strictness that you have uh, limited to the social issues or is it no, a broader yeah. philosophy? Like, and, I, and I've been clear and I've been asked I just believe that when it comes to LGBT yeah. and abortion, this debate is in the past. I know, for example, that we are going to have a debate on, again, on the assistant dying bill, just because there's been some decision, for, there's, a, there's a law, and there's going to be, uh, it was challenged in court, the court rendered some decision, and it's going, to through the it's going to go through the parliamentary. The moment it goes through the parliamentary duty, of course, they will have to, they will have liberty to express their position, and we'll have a fulsome debate because this is something that is part of the normal operation. We had a law, it was challenged, it is part of the agenda of the government. What I don't want is to bring something that is not on the agenda and make it an, ad an agenda item. That's why I'm saying it. But for the rest, no, I mean, uh, I, 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 will, uh, I will let people vote. Uh, I will bring forward things and I will let them vote. But as I said, what I want to bring forward are the things that Canadians care about. I know you said you want to run a, a positive campaign, yes, yes. so I, I hope this doesn't force you to break that. But are there any policies that the Trudeau government has put in that you think as a, a very point of priority for you need to be reversed under the next Conservative government? I've, I've, I've said something that is, uh, I've just mentioned it, like we will have to work tirelessly the moment we get elected to restore, uh, restore Canada's reputation abroad in terms of being open for business. This but is that's something- not, That's not a policy change though. That's a longer term No, because effort, we will it? have to make changes again to our corporate, making Canada uh, uh, attracting for investment. Uh, also when it comes to uh, uh, investment coming from abroad, we'll have to renew, to, we have to review it because they made it uh, you know, more difficult and not appropriate. Uh, look, we all know that there's been some foreign takeovers of Canadian companies that receive no review whatsoever because they, change the threshold, for example. Look, I've been asked, and I know maybe I've been asked on CTV about uh, marijuana. I've said that personally I was against. Now it's the law. I'm not going to revisit that because, again, it's part of my uh, philosophy that if it has been settled, I'm not going to revisit that. If I'm not revisiting a law that has been passed, what, two years ago, I believe, marijuana? Why do you want me to go and revisit a bill that was 15 years ago or 20 years ago? Does that outlook, though, limit you in many respects? Because it means that you're forced to live with bad decisions by past governments. No, I think we need to, we need to be pragmatic. I, I just believe that there's no, and I've seen it myself, in terms of minister, working with ministers and working with a prime minister and working with a leader of the opposition, I think that you have to, be, to have a balance between being principled and being pragmatic. There's no ministers, there's no prime minister that even in their life must, have, must 
betray their own principles sometimes a little bit to be pragmatic. Best example, and it's Prime Minister Harper who said it, on the day of his birthday, as a conservative, he had to bail out the auto sector and make the largest, one of the largest, uh, you know, bailout in Canadian history. That was a very tough decision for him. He even said it, that went against all his principle, against all his bones in terms of being an economist and all of that, but he had to do it because it was the right thing to do. So what I'm telling Canadians is that I'm principled, but you also have to be pragmatic in, in certain situation. And this is the balance that is required. I've witnessed it. I, I know that is something that is that 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 is part of the the leadership role, and I'm prepared for that. Rudy Husney, political staffer, candidate now leadership candidate for the Conservatives. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much. And this is another part of the Conservative Leadership Series here on The Andrew Lawton Show. We'll have more in the weeks to come. My thanks to all of you for tuning in and to Rudy for his time. Thank you, God bless, and good day, Canada. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.